Okay, so this guy, this guy, today's guest, okay, he's got to have one of the all-time cool jobs in the radio business. And it isn't even like that. It's so much different, but we're going to get into it. Interestingly, I'm going to guess before we talk that this opportunity came through a passion for audio, not necessarily even radio, but I don't know that yet because we haven't had the conversation. We're going to have it together. You're going to get to listen to it at the same time as me. Yay. Many good things happen around today's guest. You can just tell it by having interaction with him. And look, one of the great things that happens around today's guest appears to be, wait for it, happiness. Maybe uh, we'll ask him about the formula for happiness. Wouldn't that be good? Something uh, encouraging just for running into him. Listen to this. Audio, tourism, radio, artist, entertainment. Today really has it all. And we get to talk to somebody about how they ended up in the chair that they occupy at work today. I think it's going to be exciting. Listen, this sounds like exactly the kind of person that we really like to talk to on our podcast. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. Our goal is always the same to encourage radio pros at all levels. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you already know we drop a fresh weekly episode, usually on Sundays, featuring a radio pro working in radio right now. To enjoy our podcast, you only need to be interested in others, be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead, and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. I would argue that you hear that in every single episode because our guests are so instructive just in how they got where they are and how they see radio today. Each week, we have an opportunity to see a snapshot of an individual in our business. It allows us to see radio from a different perspective, a different career arc, and hear how they are embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves, which is RPC. We work on both sides of the ball, so to speak. Our practice literally helps local radio generate higher ratings and higher revenue. It's just this simple. When we go to work for a client and they follow our collaborative process and strategy, their revenue and profit rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Do you have enough? Are your local radio stations programmed and positioned to collect the most revenue today in your local radio market? Do you need a better sales recruitment strategy? We can help you. Schedule a free meetup by email. It's easy. First consultation is free, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We are just probably less than a minute from welcoming Eric Markham. Now, listen, he's the general manager. That's such a big job. General manager and content director, WSM Radio. Uh, that's 650 AM WSM. It's a division of Opryland Entertainment Group in Nashville. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which make we make this available minutes after we do the recorded interview. We spread it to social media. So a lot of people, they come in contact with us first through social media. Then they learn that we have over 135 plus episodes waiting for them when they subscribe 
on their smartphone. Thanks to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. By the way, you can see what you can get for free from our team anytime in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com, including our Encouraging Sales Success Series and our More Than Live and Local Series. And now, let's see what we can learn from this week's guest. Eric, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you? I'm good, Lloyd. Thanks for having me on here. Dude, I got to ask, are you always happy? Are you and, and and be honest, you know, because God bless. First, I see those babies that you have and social and I mean, your life is going good. Right. But are you always happy? You seem always happy. Um, there's some days that I can get a little bit sideways, a little bit bent out of shape. If really? Purdue University football or basketball ends up throwing oh. away an opportunity to take home a big win, sometimes that throws me for a loop. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I'm a big LSU fan, and this year we've decided not to play defense. That's particularly <laughs> rough in the SEC, as you probably know. Uh, listen, I, I want to know this. Um, where are you originally from, and can you tell us about your first experience that you can remember as a radio listener? Oh, wow. Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm from Newcastle, Indiana. It's about 40, 45 miles east of Indianapolis in Indiana on uh, um, just a small town south of Muncie, so near Ball State, uh, where basketball in Indiana is king. So watching Purdue basketball and IU basketball is a big thing. And I used mm. to listen to Newcastle basketball uh, on 1550 AM WMDH locally. Uh, where we would, you know, just be completely immersed in the games if we weren't there. Our high school gymnasium uh, seats right around roughly 10,000. So we would see it sometimes completely full and sold out when sectionals came through. So it was definitely one of those places where your local businesses would have the sign on the front door saying, hey, it's a basketball night. We're not open tonight. Everybody went to the games. And if you weren't there in person, you were listening on the radio. Uh, 102.5 was the FM side of WMDH. And I was probably 10 years old. This is late 90s. They had a request show and uh, I called in and requested a song from the country group Alabama. And my request was actually played back like 10 minutes later. So I got to hear my voice on the radio for the first time as a listener. And I was just completely drawn by the magic of radio. Immediately. You know, it's so, yeah, it's so interesting. Imagination. Now, only I just imagine that Indiana and North Carolina is a place where people would just gravitate so much to that basketball you know so i assume that you are kind of professor of basketball if i have questions i can reach out to you anytime but i also was smitten by the fact that the the first thing you requested was an alabama song which sort of foretold a future thing now look before wsm before opry entertainment group did you ever think oh man i might be on the radio um, not as a kid, but I was totally immersed in the magic of radio, more so the magic of how to make it happen. Um, not necessarily to be on the radio or working for a radio station, but that was the first opportunity I had outside of putting a, a tape in and pressing record and making my own mixtape at home to hear my voice being recorded and played back. I was drawn in by the magic of how that happened. So it was more the, 
I guess you would consider it the engineer, the recording engineering side of it that drew me first. But as a listener, uh, over time, it eventually became the personality driven side of things. You know, it's interesting. We're going to get into the audio file, Eric, but not quite yet. Look, we're big. Well, actually, maybe right now we are big believers in all kinds of education on the encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, because it's an encouragement thing, right? You want to you want to become a better person? Read about it. Learn about it. Go get the education. You attended Purdue University. Of course, we kind of kind of thought that might be the case after what you said. I love this. You have a Bachelor of Arts in theater, sound design and technology. Tell us about your time at Purdue and what your ambition was maybe at that time and how it benefits you today. Yeah, I'll take you back a few years even before Purdue and go all the way through the the timeline. It was uh, at a vocational class um, where they introduced us to different things, whether it be becoming a plumber, becoming an electrician, a beautician was an option, but broadcasting was a thing that they had available. And I was 16 years old, not great at math, not great at English, you know, not the best student all the way around. And I saw the opportunity to hang out with friends and be on the radio, something that's kind of been in the back of my mind for a few years about the fact that radio exists. We listen to our hometown station. So WKPW was the vocational school that I was first introduced and first put on the air to get mm-hmm. that little taste of radio. Uh, my teacher, Mike York was the best. Um, this is the Eater Career Center is where it's located. Uh, it's now located in the Knightstown High School, but the uh, vocational program that I went through two years at WKPW taught me first and foremost, like the, business acumen, the professional acumen of how to, to become a young professional. Um, they would take us on tours of radio stations. I got to see the Bob and Tom show in action. I got nice. To, yeah. I got to go to a recording studio where any and all of the songs that you hear that play back on Bob and Tom are recorded. Uh, we got to go to the local TV stations, downtown Indy. So that's where I sort of got my first taste into broadcasting. And then fast forward to graduating from there, I worked at, I ended up working at WMDH, which is the hometown station that I grew up listening to for a couple of summers as, as a, a board operator and eventually voice track some shifts, uh, as well as another local station, WIFE in Connorsville. I would go there and fill in uh, occasionally. But once I graduated, my thought process was what's next? Um, well, well, I don't want you to get ahead. I, I but yeah. you're saying some interesting things. Like, I wonder if you had, and maybe subconsciously in the back of your mind, like radio, 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 because you, yeah. you're you're involved. You're being drawn into this. Um, but you, I mean, it seems like that that degree is pretty technical. During your college, you worked as an audio technician. Was that at the radio stations or somewhere else? And and tell us about your attraction to audio. You had this passion for sound, right? Right. Yeah. You would think that coming out of broadcasting that I would have gone to Ball State University, which is about 15, 20 minutes up the road. It has one of the best broadcasting programs. Um, it's David Letterman's alma mater. 
Uh, yeah. so much great stuff that comes out of ball state, but for whatever reason, I was thinking I wanted something different. I was at a higher trajectory in my mind, as far as thinking that there was something bigger and better than broadcasting for whatever mm-hmm. reason, my compass was pulled to becoming an air traffic controller. Surprisingly, I did not see that coming. Right. Right. Um, so I was thinking going to Purdue, I would follow an engineering and physics path and fall into the air traffic controller program. Uh, let's rewind a couple of years before that. When I said in high school, I already wasn't that great at math. I wasn't that that. great at physics. I was weeded out of the air traffic controller program pretty quickly. So while there at Purdue, Uh, I noticed that they had the Elliott Hall of Music and they had an entire theater program dedicated and a full recording studio in its own building. Mm. Then I found an opportunity to go in that studio, get in those programs, be back in theater because in high school, alongside doing the radio broadcasting program, I also participated in both the onstage performances and the tech side of our theater program in high school. Absolutely. Already had an introduction to that. And I figured a way that I could marry both having the passion for the audio production that I got to learn for broadcasting, as well as theater and theater of the mind and all that you can do in creating sound designs for live stage productions. That's my introduction to connecting the dots. Now, Eric, Today's broadcast is brought to you by The Left Turn. (laughs) You get your degree from Purdue. Now you come out and you get a job as a mortgage consultant. Absolutely. So you did this for for two years. What was that like? What did you learn from those experiences? Because that's a, I mean, did you just go, I need a big boy job or, or what? So you come out of school. Um, I'm 22. I've now been with my girlfriend at the time, now fiance for six years. Um, I did two summers of live production, live touring production, where they send you all over the place to the point where you no longer have a home life. You get a little taste of it. I was traveling a lot. Um, We were coming up on our wedding just as a good example I had a one-way ticket to Los Angeles and I was there working and I did not have a return flight yet. I'm three weeks away from my wedding. And I realized then when she was asking me, so when are you going to be home? And like any live touring production person, a lot of times that question is, you don't know when the next gig is coming. You don't know where you're going next. Things could be altered. Things could be changed. Oh, I didn't have an answer. So did she know you didn't have an answer by the way? No, no. So she thought this guy has a plan and nope. Yeah. Yeah. I had a one way ticket and uh, it, it was always the, uh, Oh, it'll work out. I'll be, I'll be back in time while I'm there. I can always communicate over the phone for whatever we need done catering wise, or if mm-hmm. we need to communicate with the, the, the wedding planner or anything like that, there was always things that I could do. Uh, but in the back of my mind, there's always the, you gotta make it to your wedding. Pretty quickly, I realized that live touring production, hitting the road, going out to events, those types of things were not in the cards for me. I was ready for 
a home life at a pretty young age. Usually if you're not in a relationship, you spend all of your twenties out on the road. And then you figure that yeah. out 10, 15 years later where you can find your place and anchor in. So we decide to right after we get married, we come back and we're basically deciding to throw a dart on a map to the only opportunity that you can do it when you're 22 and you don't have anything holding you back. You just graduated. You've got your degrees. Let's pick a city. Where are we going to go? Really? Yep. In the short list locations were Chicago for us in our minds. If we went to Indianapolis, it was going to be a, this is, we're just kind of giving up. I don't want to say giving up, but we didn't really reach the potential that we think that we could have done. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville, Florida, which is, I know a place that just in our conversations that you love. And, and Nashville was the other place. We'd gone there a few times just because it was a four or five hour drive away from Indianapolis. And we had gone there a few times just to check it out. It seemed like a great small, big city, small town, big mm-hmm. city. Uh, or big city, small town. No, no, no. Yeah, how's town. that? How's that working out for you, by the way? Because it's <laughs> really flourished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're now to the big city. It's no, there's yeah. no, there's no small town left. Maybe Old Hickory, where I'm located. You still get a little right. sense of so, of small town, small but town. it all runs together pretty well now. There's there's not a lot of separation between one place or the other. Um, but we decided on on Nashville, and she immediately had her, and she's a lot smarter than I am. When I go back to my not being very good at school. She was the opposite. Uh, she became a scientist. She is a, a medical laboratory scientist and immediately got a job at Vanderbilt university's medical center. Incredible. And, and look, this is proof that in your life, sometimes you don't know where things are going, but later it all makes sense. Something happened in September 2010, very specific, you came in contact with and grabbed a job at WSM. Now, Mm -hmm. you recently became the general manager and content director at uh, Opry Entertainment Group. Can you walk us through? uh, I'm just going to ask a two part question. How that job came about, what it's been like to be inside their organization, because I can tell that you you it's just such a positive thing. And, and then can you walk us through a little bit of your job, kind of a virtual visit for us? I think your job is more than it appears on the surface. Uh, finally, what is your daily work life like? Mm-hmm. So three questions. Yeah. So let's start with the September of 2010, when we were throwing that dart on the map mm-hmm. and then landed on Nashville, uh, coincidentally um, for my benefit in particular, but the city's detriment, there was a major flood just a few months before in May of 2010, a flood in Nashville, which completely displaced WSM. And for the first time in that particular time, it's 90 year history. It had relocated its broadcast facilities to the transmitter building at I-65 and Concord road, uh, which is the iconic Blahnox tower and the transmitter building, the national registry of historic places for that, that building. Um, So we were broadcasting out of there for the first time in it's the history of the radio station and the program director at the time, Joe Lamardi, uh, I had reached out to done sort of cold calls and cold emails about, Hey, I'm graduating from school, interested in what you have going on here. And he immediately got back to me and they needed help. They needed board operators for shows. They were now light handed 
and picking up the pieces and moving over. He says, I need you or somebody on Saturday nights to get the opera. Mm. I'm running out of people. What a cool um, job that is probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we were all over the map timing wise. So it would be a Saturday night, seven o'clock. I'd be in studio getting the Opry on the air. A couple days later, I'd be in the studio because the morning show was on remote at the country music hall of fame, board opping that from the location. So I was the board op guy for a couple of years. Meanwhile, by the way, I, I see what's happening here. Your wife is like, this guy is never home. <laughs> early on yes it was and she was second shift so we 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 just tried to to make it work timing wise so i I had my day job as the mortgage consultant uh to make ends meet you know you've got student loans that are coming due you've got rents that coming due so i'm you know doing the mortgage thing on the side which you know is surprisingly incredibly lucrative and over here board opping the saturday night grand Ole opry to get my foot in the door uh, fast forward a couple of years later, immediately a full-time promotions assistant role becomes available and mm. I drop the mortgage mortgage company, uh, and immediately go full-time for a job that I wouldn't necessarily have applied for originally, but I knew that WSM is where I wanted to be. Uh, so I became the promotions assistant scheduling wow. contests, making sure that tickets got where they needed to be. We would take the show on remote, popping up tents, setting up tables, handing out stickers, getting people on our email list. And then are you really good with details? It sounds like this is a real good strong suit for you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, For the most part. Yeah. Sometimes things fall out of my mind. Um, Then then the opportunity came up where uh, there was a hole for traffic and continuity. So I jumped in that role. My God. Immediately doing traffic and continuity for a couple of years. They had a hole uh, where there was an on-air talent fill-in, took on that, became now traffic and continuity and talent. And then 2016, roughly, somebody moved on. I became the assistant program director, uh, as well as talent for the show. Moved to 2019, roughly. We go through this joint venture with Great Television, with Opry Entertainment Group and WSM, to Uh launch Circle Television. And their thought process was, we need some programming. We need live programming. So the morning show ended up becoming the anchor show of circle TV in the mornings. So you have coffee and Cody simulcast on the morning. And I became the full-time TV producer managing both the simulcast of the radio and the television side. No, no, look, it just sounds like to me that you correct me if I'm wrong, you went on a journey of the unofficial training job for general manager and content director without knowing it. Yes. I mean, Mm -hmm. dude, continuity, come on. (laughs) I mean, and and knowing knowing jobs, that ain't one of them. Yeah. Knowing the legacy of the radio station and how long people stay around. Yeah. The fact that these jobs became available at all in that time frame is still, it still blows my mind. And there's just, the path was, was cut right in front of me. And I just continued on the path. Well, um, look, let's give some encouragement to people who listen to this, who find themselves in the radio business and they're trying to figure it out. And, you know, everybody's experience is not like everybody else's experience. But we do know that, you know, radio's changed a lot and everybody's doing a bunch of jobs. It appears to me that one of your uh, markers of success is that you have a really positive attitude. You're really willing to jump in and do different things. And that has led to good things for you. This is what you recommend for others. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah. I never said no to anything. Um, not saying that that's the proper way every time because pretty right. quickly you can be overrun and there's a lot of scope creep that ends up taking on and it can overrun your life. Cause you have to mm. find your filter and learn that filter. What's, what's top priority, what needs to be, um, focused on strategy. Where am I heading? You create your one year, three year, five year plan. A lot of times that plan gets blown up, but you're constantly sure. revising it constantly. Revising well, it. look, that, little axiom right there is all about being prepared when opportunities come. I think that's a, a real big key to anybody who's trying to have success in a field of any kind. Uh, but look, I got to say this too about your personality. I heard a rumor that people around your organization kind of pointed at you for the general manager and content director situation. I got, I got lucky in the sense that the general manager at the time, J. Patrick Tennell, uh, was moving on to launch sort of his own thing on the side. And when it came to them saying, who can do what you do and who knows what you know, who can step into this role? You might be hearing my kids in the background, by the way. Um, <laughs> That's he, okay. Uh, we, we welcome children. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said, Eric is your guy. When it comes to having to go from the outside and train somebody in to know the people I've worked with everybody in the station uh, and have made relationships and know how the nuances of corporate processes go. There's a lot that comes with knowing the brand and understanding the strategies and initiatives of the company that takes a lot of time to learn. So you learn by the time that you learn the intercompany communications and relationships and how the brand strategies and, all those things pan out for what the company's vision is in growth. That takes mm-hmm. time, not to mention building up rapport and relationships with the people that you're going to be working alongside and potentially managing people who have been with the station for 30 years. Yes. When it comes to that, it's kind of hard to find somebody who can come in and one, be the hammer or be the muscle or whatever they think that they're going to be in this role Um, it's more about being able to continue alongside that person in the trajectory that helps them get to where they need to be. You Uh, are helping everyone in the organization. That's your natural setting, isn't it? Yeah. And when it, when it came to originally applying for the position, I wasn't going to, and I had to express that. Yeah. Um, partly because there's a difference there's a difference between the creative side, being in the studio, being with the artists, being in a show, being immersed in the simulcast. It's constantly creative. It's constantly different. You do not have time to get into any sort of negative headspace. You don't have time to get in your own head. You have to continually keep moving, continuously moving. It's constant. Right. If you slow down, the next thing that you do, the next element you're going to miss. And there's something about that drive that I really, really enjoyed being in the studio, touching the board, being in front of the microphone, yeah. pressing buttons. There's something creative about that. Now, wait a so minute. I, I, I want you to walk us through your job today because I'm going to bet you're still doing some of that stuff. I, I just I feel that from you. Yeah, it's yes. Anytime that anybody needs to take a vacation or PTO, I'm there to fill in. Um, our morning show producer, Charlie Matos, uh, his role is very, very unique in that we need to 
continue because we just hired a successor. So it took almost a month and a half or so to completely get that person in that role trained and handed off. So I was doing GM role and morning show TV producer role for almost two months. Oh yeah. Wow. Uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, you manage other people's PTO schedules and you fill in the gaps. So uh, in a given day, I could be doing three roles in that particular day. Um, but he's got a, a very, very specific role when it comes to knowing the puzzle pieces that come with putting together both a radio show and a television show. Sure. Filling in for him. Isn't just somebody you can call and be like, Hey, you know, radio go fill in for Charlie and Mm. produce this show. It takes a lot of time to really digest it. So my goal is to continue being that fill in. If somebody needs to take time off, I can voice track. Somebody needs to do production work. I can do production work. If the current continuity director is out in traffic and continuity, I can hop in our traffic system and put spots in, allocate carts, upload spots. All that stuff is still something that I can do. My goal is to manage the team to the point where I fill in the gaps. I feel like this is instructive for anybody who is in any kind of programming role, any kind of market manager role, any kind of sales manager role. Our job is to make the other people's jobs better, easier, more accessible for their success. And this is one of the great things about talking to you. Um, What's your and, and that shouldn't be the, the the full the full day too. Shouldn't be just dedicated to filling in gaps. It's about an 80 20. 80, you got to continue the momentum of strategizing growth. What's your next step with social media? How are you upgrading your listening experience? What is your mm-hmm. programming going to be next? And then once all those things are checked off and the priority list is in order for your day, then you can fill in the gaps. So it's I feel um, like they're. I feel like there might not be an ordinary average day, but I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> um, what time do you arrive at work? What time do you leave? Um, I'm still figuring that out being hands off <laughs> from the morning show. So all that, all that's still, still kind of in the works, but um, you know, I wake up with my kids usually at four uh, thirty, five o'clock in the morning, um, whether it is us handing the kids off to the grandparents who watch them while we're at work or if I need to Lucky get up you. and sure something for the day. Absolutely. That is the best thing about having grandparents close is the fact that they can help throughout the day and you don't have to lean on any sort of daycare, which by the way, Nashville is impossible to find daycare. It just oh, doesn't really? happen. Yeah. We were on a wait list for two years, still never got a call back. Um, wow. But yeah, wake up early in the morning um, and in the office by seven, seven thirty now in the new general manager role. And the first thing that I do is make sure that everything within the morning shows structure, because I'm still mm-hmm. handing off some of that roles, whether we're hitting sponsorships at the exact right time, whether our Opry lives and our Opry rewinds and all of our content stacks correctly, whether mm-hmm. our, uh, the, the artists that we've got booked to come in are properly getting into the places that they need to get in and scheduling one-on-ones with our talent, making sure that first of all, they're good. We need to make sure that their strategy and their vision is in line with what I'm thinking their trajectory right. should be. Um, so it's, you know, leading their, our assistant program director, our music director. I'm still the th- content director is the title, but I'm the program director. So working alongside the APD okay. and music director on structuring and strategizing where we're heading as far as the sound of the station. Mm-hmm. Um, and making sure the content that ends up on social media, if we need to send somebody at CMA uh, awards is a good example. We sent two members of our talent down. We need to make sure where those clips land 
are properly processed, that the TikTok video is framed properly for TikTok, that what goes out on YouTube is, you know, framed properly for YouTube and what content we harvest from those interviews are properly used on the show. Developing strategies around how we use those 40 interviews is a mm-hmm. big key to the, the content coordination. Um, not to mention you've got production, technology, engineering. There's a lot that comes with a giant 1932 Blahnox tower and a lot of expenses. So managing yeah. the, 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 the forecasting of the budget, what money is being accrued, how much are you setting aside? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the part of the job that is a little bit more in the minutia for sure. Listen, you know, you, you, this job is so much bigger. I feel like this job that you have is attached to the word entertainment, mm-hmm. not just radio. So entertainment. Now, look, that kind of plays into the next question. WSM radio is unlike, in my opinion, now and certainly historically too, any other radio station. In fact, I think I think it's very safe to say it's more than a radio station, which I think all radio stations should be. Isn't WSM really a part of the tourism culture in Nashville? Absolutely. Uh, For over a century, people have been flocking to Nashville for two big reasons for the last 100 years, medical advancement and entertainment. And when it came to WSM, it was the catalyst for a mix of both of those. You've got your connecting listeners to the music from around the country. The station was originally started to sell insurance. It was part of the National Life and Accident Insurance Company which is the moniker WSM stands for We Shield Millions. So rather than going door to door, knocking on the door, asking people if they want to buy insurance, originally they were developing a way to channel that information through broadcast technology. So an insurance company is what built the ground up from the floor up for WSM. So I think what you're saying here is we're mass communicating here. Yes. And in 1925, when the station launches, not everybody has a radio. That's sort of an upper class thing to get your hands on. So for a lot of time, they were broadcasting into the streets. We actually still have one of the 1930 um, speakers, the air horn that was broadcasting to the streets. So you've got a, a, a night one Saturday because historically Nashville broadcasted classical and popular music at the time. And then, right. so you have one late Saturday night and you're talking about a time when you don't have everything to tape. You're not playing records. You're not playing anything pre-recorded a lot of this stuff was performed live right so you got a saturday night hole where somebody doesn't show up uncle jimmy thompson was sitting down in his car with a fiddle and at the time you know lived lived down the road in nashville i think closer to murfreesboro and came up to fill that air gap and it ended up being what we know today as old time fiddle music that was broadcast for the first time on the airwaves of wsm which eventually became country music so Saturday night in the barn dance, people loved that sound. And originally people wanted to keep Nashville an upper echelon, an upper, an upper class vibe with the Vanderbilt and, the, and that family. They didn't want this yep. old time fiddle tune music on the airwaves. They wanted classical music from New York. They wanted popular. They wanted people who were going to be buying these radios to be the music that they wanted to hear. And then quickly mm. once you get these radios in these houses, you're filling a void. People wanted to hear this country music, this old time fiddle music. So the barn dance was created every Saturday night. 
and it grows to a point where people are spilling out into the streets because they don't have enough studio space to house everybody that want to come see it or hear it in person. So then they nice. move to different churches around Nashville to eventually being one of the more permanent homes yeah. was the War Memorial Auditorium downtown Nashville. Once they outgrew that or because, I mean, hi history shows that country music, you've got a bunch of hillbillies out there creating chaos. What they ended yeah. up doing was kicking them out of the churches and kicking them out of the War Memorial Auditorium to where oh. they find themselves at Ryman Auditorium, a place that would mm -hmm. carry the music on Saturday nights. So Lula Naff was the one that helped program a lot of that, a lot of those schedules. So where country music really took off was during that time, just after World War II, all the way up until 19, mid-70s, 1976, is where, is where the Grand Ole Opry was broadcast from and is where historically a lot of people associate WSM's Grand Ole Opry with Ryman Auditorium. Right. And, and the Ryman being a pinnacle location where people go for entertainment in Nashville was in disrepair for such a long time that eventually the company ended up buying it because we didn't mm -hmm. know it at the time. So Opry Entertainment well, wasn't Opry Entertainment at the time. It was, uh, I, I don't remember what the name was. It could have been Gaylord. Uh, again, there are a lot of people who are very, very into the weeds of this history. And I could be corrected at any time from a fast fact listen, or anything after listen. the fact. So, it's so incredible to have you on and to hear that story. And I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know all that. You know, I, I want to just go, well, y'all didn't expect that on this podcast, did you? Right. Yeah. So, so listen, I, I do hear a rumor that WSM, maybe it's more than a rumor, WSM radio may have the largest live music library anywhere. Is there any truth to this? So I haven't personally had access to other stations archives, but I've see. seen ours and it's incredibly impressive. When you talk about how easy it is in current day with things like podcasts, with recording everything digital, how easy it is to store data. Yes. Then you didn't have that. You had tape, you had reel to reel, you had dat tapes throughout the history of WSN. The technology has changed. It's been on the cutting edge of technology since the beginning, since 1925, when it got started. Every single time its connections over the years has made new and informative technology. It's been kind of the forefront of that. I mean, it was just down the road in Bristol whenever the uh, Bristol sessions happened and the big bang of country music existed that we were just now getting records of country music. Mm. So in the 50s, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. in the fifties is when, is when you really started having a lot more access and accessibility. Yes to take records before, before, and I'm talking records as in audio re recordings. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Before that you had a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, handwritten stuff that we had, we still have in our archives to the day. Um, some of the, the, yeah. the original chief engineers who developed, uh, the blueprints of what would end up becoming Nashville and WSM and our connections to NASA. Eventually we have personal logs of all those people's material. Things People that you don't understand how hard all this is. Yeah. I heard a story once that Joe Galani, who ran RCA and then Sony for a long time, that they promoted him to New York and he went looking for the lost tapes of Elvis Presley. And apparently all this audio, people had just taken it home for years. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they had to actually go through a process of getting it back. What might surprise us? And I don't know if it's fair to ask you this, but are there some surprising examples that we might not know about that are in the WSM radio music library of live stuff? 
you would be even more surprised to know that there's an entire division and there's so much information that we don't have all of it collected and collected. I mean, by categorized and organized and truly archived in a way that, and they're constantly and our archives division does an incredible job of going through this stuff hour by hour, minute by minute, detailing and transcribing and creating the metadata that of course doesn't exist on reel to reel tape, dats, anything that comes with that history. Sure. So you have to do it manually. They are constantly oh. working tooth and nail to get this stuff categorized, cataloged, organized, and the, it, it never ends. The, the work never ends for a 100 year legacy. And so some, from some of the earliest tapes in the fifties that we have on hand, all the way to, and then it was just Saturday night, Grand Ole Opry's. Eventually over time, you just start seeing the demand for people needing the Opry outside of just Saturdays, which is where the Friday night frolic was eventually created, which now is the Friday night Opry. Then you have the Tuesday nights to the point. Now there was one day that the only time that we did not have an Opry show. And of course, all of these Opry shows are broadcast live on WSM radio. Anything that comes through the Opry always hits the WSM airwaves. The only day that we did not have an Opry show was Monday night. So those are continually, continuously happening each and every night. We always have somebody back in studio making sure that gets on the air. And you always have a constant crew of, of people. It's an ecosystem. Now you've created jobs. You've created an infrastructure. You've created revenue. You've created everything for so many people in the, in the music industry, yes. which, is how, which is how over the years you've got medical uh, alongside music and entertainment that has been the driving force of Nashville. Now you see within the last couple of decades, manufacturing has increased so much here. You have so Absolutely. many, so many headquarters moving here, whether it's Nissan Bridgestone, Amazon has a new HQ here. So it's, it's wild to see the growth. And that goes back to us talking about Nashville being a small town. When we first arrived, it no longer is partly because people want to be here and it's great. Yeah. But, but look, WSM is such a rich, authentic thing. You mentioned a hundred years. I'm just going to let you have a snippet here to go. Are you planning something big involving a hundred years? Is that, can I say that? Because yeah. if I can't, I'll yeah. just apologize and we'll move on. Well, no, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of stuff in the cooker and there's probably more information that I would be able to share if maybe this happened after 2024 uh, uh, as things roll out. But I'll, let me just put it this way. There's a lot of strategy behind it. A lot of a lot of heads are together. So we, so we can say that good things are on the way and that they're celebratory and some really exciting things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, so listen, tell, tell us a little bit about WSM radio's relationship to social media. You mentioned TikTok. You mentioned some of the other social media. What's that relationship like? How many people deal with social media for WSM radio? So that is one of the areas that I've kind of been tapped to grow in my growth initiatives for the station. It's our digital footprint. Because you have, as a great example, so many podcasts, particularly video podcasts now that are making so much attention and grabbing so much engagement on social media. And it's people who are grassroots starting these up from their basement uh, with little to no broadcast components that cost what it, it does to transmit an entire broadcast. So you have the technology and a lot of this has happened through 2020, since 2020. Um, the, the, just the, the ability, the accessibility 
and the ways to get a broadcast medium out there have changed. And our goals moving forward and our growth initiatives are taking what these podcasters and these video podcasters, these video bloggers are able to do in telling their story. We're able to do that as well, but we also still have the channels of WSM radio as a broadcast component in a promotional tool, both in cross promoting both levels, social media and live on air. If you think of WSM as being the, the billboard as you're driving down the road, no different than Times Square in New York City. It tells you, hey, you need to go check this out. WSM tells you that. Now you can go find that podcast or find that Listen, show on demand. Yeah, we talk with clients all the time in our practice about relationship. Relationship is brand. When you talk about WSM, they have a relationship with the Country Music Life Group. What might be an experience at WSM radio that we might not expect or one that we might expect, but it's just a crazy thing to experience because you're on the inside. Really, you are. Yeah. And it's fascinating because sometimes I either have to pinch myself or bring myself kind of down to size as far as like if I were to go home and people, you know, fawn over the fact that I'm at WSM and I'm so in the weeds of it that I kind of in my mind roll my eyes maybe a little bit and think, well, I mean, it's no different than being at my hometown radio station of WMDH. We still do the same thing of broadcasting a message and telling a story. Um, But we get access to the artists to tell their stories people who are going to make an Opry debut for the very first time, they have a story to tell people who have been celebrating being an Opry member for 50, 60 plus years that are country music hall of famers. They all have a story to tell. Well, and, and luckily, Eric, that's what's so there in our backyard. That, yeah. It's so crazy that you can span that many decades or maybe more. I mean, people are having different experiences. I'm talking about the artist. In, in coming in contact and being a part of the Grand Ole Opry. And it must be amazing and sometimes emotional, right? It is. It is. When you see somebody in the studio the morning before they're going to make a Grand Ole Opry debut, and there are yeah. people who purchased a ticket to see that experience. They want That's to right. see that person have that moment. And the WSM manifested and created something as beautiful as the Grand Ole Opry to harvest country music and give it a home and to give it a platform and to create an economy and an ecosystem where art is also lucrative for the artists who can make a living on it. And the people who yeah. pay to go sit in the chair to see it can consume it. And then whenever they want to go home, they can take WSM with them. They can listen to it on the radio and be thinking about the next time they want to come back and experience that again. WSM, the living legacy and active live part of country music is so incredible. Listen, a lot of people come to radio from a more traditional path through music or engaging radio stations, but, um, that's why we'd like to find people who have a little bit different path. It seems like you do. Uh, and, and look, um, some people, you know, uh, they come on our podcast and they have different stories. Do you see radio's opportunities differently? I wanted to ask you that question today. Here's what I mean. Your education and maybe your passion for sound is applicable here. In your opinion, is radio living up to its potential today or is there more gas in the tank? I think that radio has always been on the cutting edge of communication. It's always been the medium where people 
can find things first to hear stories, to have an experience driving down the road. Of course, finding music is on demand. You can find music anywhere, That's but right. finding a, p- a place where you can find the music and the story and hear a personality. And in our case, be a full service radio station of getting your news, getting your weather, getting your communication all in a format to where you get your cliff notes of the day and you experience a story and you experience a feeling and you emit emotion and people get attached to those personalities. That's where it is. If you're just listening to music on demand, you're missing the story. If you're Eric, missing, you, if, you and your team are really developing experiences for individual listeners every day. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And it's the, the platform that we want both new artists and legacy artists and experienced artists to come together and to uplift each other because they've all got a story to tell. They've all got art that needs to be put on display. And we're the place to do that and to help experience the story and share that just share that, uh, share that time together because, you know, time is everything. And it doesn't take much to realize that the experience of WSM is the emotion of country music, whether it's yesterday, today, or tomorrow, it's just really, it's that emotion, which is incredible as part of your relationship with the audience. One thing that, that happens on occasion is, and again, this is the, one of those things that really puts myself into the chair of somebody who's maybe coming to the Opry for the first time as an example. If I'm backstage and I mentioned earlier in the podcast that the first song that I ever requested was an Alabama country song. And right. now working in the country music format of WSM in Nashville, Tennessee, the radio home of the Grand Ole Opry. I was backstage one night in between Jesse Coulter, you had uh, Randy Owen and Jamie Johnson. And we all started a conversation. And for that moment, I was thinking, I wonder what that little kid would be thinking that was fishing with his grandpa that listened to Alabama for the very first time and requested a song, requested angels among us that eventually he would be in the place that would be experiencing a moment in time with those people. Yeah. And look, a lot of us just, I'm just saying this, I'm sure this could be true for a lot of people, but Randy Owen is such a giant, you know, mm. and and when we first all got to meet him as a part of the country music experience, he was a giant because they were a really cool band. But then he became so much more bigger and well-defined through what he's done with St. Jude and all that. I just couldn't, I, you know, I'm never going to miss an opportunity to just say how much that's appreciated. Now, for you, though, because, you know, you you're in the rough spot here. Uh, it's time for our really tough question. We ask this of every single person who comes on our podcast because we're curious about it. We can't control anything about the future. We don't know the future, uh, but we're sure going to ask you about it. Um, what do you think you would like to see the future of local radio become? That's a good question. I think of, and let me start with WSM because I think it's the world's, local radio station and I see our success and and what we're able to do in connecting different states and different cities to the stories that they love the country music world. And we found success in that for small businesses and continued accessibility, both for like free radio and the listener. There's so much benefit that happens with local radio stations and the local businesses that create that ecosystem. 
to me, it's about, you know, if big businesses are really on the the rise and it's the rising tide that lifts all ships and we see the conglomerates with Emmis and, and Cumulus and iHeart and how all that stuff goes, my hope is that that wave doesn't overtake those smaller boats and that the rising tide lifts all ships and that everybody can experience the benefits of future technology. I want people to be paid properly for their art. I want nice. people to be paid properly as a small business that compete with some of these larger places. And I want radio to be the form of communication for both of those to exist, for people to find a small business from that local radio station and heard a song from an artist that they attach to. And it all is cohesive and it creates an ecosystem. Chain of what occurs in life where you create great experiences and it is encouraging to other people. And that Eric is why you're such a great guest for us to have. Thank you for spending this time with us and being our guest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really, really enjoyed it. I learned, I learned stuff about myself actually. Oh, well, we certainly did. And, and it was nothing but uh, things that you admire for sure. Listen, please don't take for granted what we're doing here and help us by sharing this episode from our website. You can do this rainmakerpathway.com. Just go to the free blog section. It's easy to find and you can share it directly from there, like on Facebook or wherever you want to do that. Uh, you can share it with other people who are interested in growing their careers in radio and audio. And this episode of the encouragers, the radio rally podcast is designed like the other 100 35 plus in our archive already to encourage radio pros at all levels. We want to thank our special guest today, Eric uh, Markham. Listen, the general manager and content director, new position. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever been trained better to do that position. Uh, so he's with WSM radio, 650 AM WSM, a division of Opry entertainment group. I, I, I kidded with him before the program because he said, you know, we call ourselves this O E G. And I said, so you're, you're kind of the, what did I say, Eric? The O G for oh, the E O E G. Is that right? Right. And I, I swear, I hope people you work with hear this podcast and I hope they start calling you the OG of WSN because that would be really cool. Listen, a special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. We make that available minutes after we record the live interview. Uh, and it's a great way for you to become involved with us. I hope that that may be the first time you're hearing it. Uh, we say this all the time on our podcast and we say it to clients. Certainly, once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you have any question about this philosophy, please reach out to me. It's my passion to share about it. I, I love sharing it with our clients and I love sharing it with you. If you don't remember anything else from this episode, please remember this. Be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. Now go make it a great week in local radio.